Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. When uh, <clears throat> you read the suttas, there's always a lot of um, characters that you um, you encounter in uh, reading the suttas. And uh, I was telling one of the uh, the practitioner in interview that I, I I'll have to take some notes because um, sometimes when I read the suttas, I laugh a lot. I find it very uh, a lot of imagery and um, and it makes my heart uh, leap with joy and uh, and laughter often and um, and also depth. That's a, there's a, a mix of both. You know, it's just not just good jokes. You know, <laughs> but there's this um, anyway. So, I, but I never took note on what particular parts uh, but anyway this this one is uh, is one that um, it makes me smile i mean there's you'll see there's depth and there's great depth into it but um, when i read it maybe because i was um, i was trained as an actor in the theater school for four years and did several years of that that so when i i read this one i i see a character i imagine the, this young man with a lot of uh, a lot of energy for practice and um, so i'll i'll just read this uh, exchange here and so <clears throat> this is a young um, deva he might be here tonight and <laughs> give me some feedback if i get a note <laughs> from a deva <laughs> that is so not me <laughs> the way you did that <laughs> So anyway, this is happening at uh, Savati. So standing to one side, the young Deva, Rohiti Tassa, said to the Blessed One, Is it possible, Venerable Sir, by traveling to know or to see or to reach the end of the world where uh, one is not born, does not age, does not die, does not pass away, and is not reborn? As to the end of the world, friend, where one is not born, does not age, does not die, does not pass away, and is not reborn, I say that it cannot be known, seen, or reached by traveling. <laughs> it is wonderful, Venerable Sir. It is amazing, Venerable Sir. How well this was stated by the Blessed One. <laughs> As to the end of the world, friend, I say that it cannot be known, seen, or reached by traveling. Once in the past, Venerable Sir, I was a seer named uh, Rohitasa, son of Boja, possessed of spiritual power, able to travel through the sky. My speed was such... Venerable sir, that I could move just as swiftly as a firm bowed archer, trained skill, practice, experience, could easily shoot uh, past the shadow of a palm tree <laughs> with a light arrow. My stride was such, venerable sir, that it seemed to reach from eastern ocean to the western ocean. Then, venerable sir, the wish 
arose in me. I will reach the end of the world by traveling. <laughs> Possessing such speed and such a stride and having a lifespan of a hundred years, living for a hundred years, I traveled for a hundred years without pausing except to eat, drink, uh, take meals and snack and defecate and urinate, <laughs> to sleep and dispel fatigue. Yet... I died along the way without having reached the end of the world. It is wonderful, Venerable Sir. It is, it is amazing, Venerable Sir, how well this was stated by the Blessed One. As to the end of the world, friend, where one is not born, does not age, does not die, does not pass away, is not reborn, I say that it cannot be known, seen or reached by traveling. However, friend, I say that without having reached the end of the world, there is no making an end to suffering. It is, friend, in just this fathom long body endowed with perception and mind that I make, the known, the, I make known the world, the origin of the world, the cessation of the world, and the way leading to the cessation of the world. The world's end can never be reached by means of traveling through the world. Yet, without reaching the world's end, there is no release from suffering. Therefore, truly, the world knower, the wise one, gone to the world's end, fulfiller of the holy life, having known the world's end at peace, longs for, not for this world or another. So, Rohitasa, lots of virya, chanda. Um, so tonight I'd like to um, very humbly and simply just talk about very simply talk about some of the the elements of practice things that I, I've meant a lot for me in practice. And so, I would like just maybe to talk a little bit about um, awareness of the body. Yeah. So, it's said that uh, the body, or awareness of the body, uh, can be uh, a best friend, because always there, uh, never lying, always telling the truth. Yeah. There's a beautiful uh, images that come along with this idea of uh, uh, the body being a best friend on the path. Uh, there's the image of the, um, a bottle uh, empty of water. And it's said that uh, when the bottle is empty of uh, water, anything can come in. So Mara can easily come in. And when the bottle is filled with water, and that would be the analogy for the body being full, filled of awareness, or suffused with presence, then it says that when the bottle is well filled, Mara cannot come in. Yeah. So sustained uh, attention to the body. A few other images that I like are... Um, says um, that um, a rock will, if you throw a, work, walk, a rock inside uh, on, a, on a wet uh, cow dung, it will easily go in. And this is, uh, this is uh, the image that is used for um, no awareness of the body. So the hindrance as a rock will just get in very easily the mind. 
And if the attention is um, really on the body, uh, suffusing again the body and very present, then the image that is used is like a ball of string that one would throw against a, a hardwood door so that the, the ball of string would leave no mark, will just bounce, would just bounce back. Another image that I like is of um, um, dry um, grass will catch fire easily. Um, but if the grass is uh, full of water, is wet, then you might have a fire, but it won't uh, catch. Yeah? So um, to me, these images uh, talked a lot, and I invested in that, uh, tried to see uh, how that was true or not in practice. And uh, found that... Uh, um, kind of dedication of giving oneself or uh, maybe a, what is uh, Ajahn Sumedho's uh, words is not uh, embodying the mind embodying the mind or Dogen, I think I said that in this hall here not mindfulness of the body but the body's mindfulness giving uh, giving to this lump of meat, uh, it's uh, giving it back its own intelligence, knowing, in a way, uh, how this can be a, not only a protection from hindrances, but also a, a doorway uh, to insight. Yeah. So this uh, mudra that we see here, the earth-touching mudra, I think it's called, uh, that we see on uh, most of the of the the sculpture, the Buddha rupas and the images. Um, one way that I uh, came to understand it, and I think it was suggested by one teacher, and it was really beautiful for me to hear, was that when the uh, Buddha was um, assailed, assailed, attacked by Mara with doubt, you know, what are you doing here? Who do you think you are? Get out of this place. You think you're going to solve all the crap that is going on in your head and in the world's head, you know? You don't, you can't do that, you know, the doubt and the, all this. At some point, the Buddha just reached uh, the earth. And a very simple way to understand this is that it just came to, back to something very tangible, very real. Oh, pressure feels like this, you know? Am I worthy? Am I capable of? Is that doable? Do people do it? Is there enlightened beings in the world? You know, all these uh, thoughts. And then suddenly it's like, what's actually going on? There's pressure on the butt, you know? So um, I think that these, uh, this can be a tool that can be extremely useful as some of us go back home uh, attention to the body, very tangible, but not a kind of a second class, in my view, a second class uh, practice, you know. Uh, maybe because an amazing doorway to uh, insight into the three characteristics, you know, of the impermanence and non self and. Uh, unsatisfactory nature of experience. So, um, yeah, I wanted to bring that back because I was not sure in the month we named this so much. There was a lot of attention given to uh, the awareness and, uh, and uh, so I'm feeling that it's so helpful in my practice that it might be uh, helpful for you also to reconsider this. Mm. So as you know, there's many ways to um, be attentive to the body, the classic, really well-known attention to the breath, the postures, uh, and uh, um, maybe just one other that I'll name, there's more, but one that I'll name, because it's very rich also, is the four elements. So maybe we didn't talk so much about this uh, here. 
and maybe a few words on that. So the use of the four elements of um, earth, uh, air, water, and fire is, um, can sound somewhat um, kind of uh, archaic or primitive, you know, um, way to um, um, understand the, the, or experience the, the lived experience in the body, how it is to be in the body, knowing that now there's, you know, very complex chart of uh, elements <laughs> you know, that is much, uh, much uh, higher and wider. And <laughs> but in terms of uh, experience, I think that uh, the four elements have their value. And so maybe to, to uh, name the characteristics of each one of the elements. And so I'm going through the four elements here for a few minutes of this earth, uh, air, fire, and water. But as a... Uh, it would be possible to talk about an elemental way to experience the body without using these four categories. I think Julie Wester, who's a wonderful teacher who teaches here, I've heard her many, many times talk about the elements or the elemental nature of experience without ever naming these fours, you know. But in the classic, in one of the classic ways to uh, experience uh, the body through the four elements is the earth element uh, being experienced through hardness. Yeah. And as I say that, see if you're in your direct experience, it's possible that you touch that, the hardness. Or um, the hardness, it might be on your butt at this point. You know, you might feel some hardness there or not. Uh, and there's a whole range with softness also. If you um, gently press on your lips, that might give you a little bit of an experience of uh, softness. Another characteristic is, um, is um, roughness. So if you um, take your tongue and you rub it on your uh, upper uh, teeth, It's not exactly like, uh, a, you know, if you, it's l not as rough as a cat's tongue, <laughs> but there's some roughness that, that, that you can touch. Or if you p press your hands, push, uh, move your hands uh, on your clothes, maybe, you might feel some roughness. Uh, and the smoothness is um, if you um, water your uh, lower lip, maybe and move your tongue inside of it. <laughs> you might feel some smoothness there. That's uh, some of the classic... I'm, like I'm, I'm giving you a, the, the instruction for a, a thousand or a thousand five hundred years ago. Like they were doing this at that time too, to experience the elements. Yeah. So there might be also a heaviness in the earth element or... Um, or lightness, maybe. Sometimes lightness is attributed to another element, but that's just a way to divide the experience that we can uh, maybe recognize. That might be a little system that works for you. And in the text you read somewhere, um, so the untrained mind or the, the worldling, um, when, uh, when they feel the earth element, they can recognize the earth element, meaning they can recognize hardness, softness, smoothness, roughness, heaviness, or lightness. Uh, but they, uh, they go a little further. It says in the text, they, they take it as me or mine. That's the little mistake. <laughs> Tiny little mistake they make that might end up making their life miserable down the line. You know? They say a, a trained being, um, a wise being, will feel also in the same way the hardness or softness. And they'll recognize it as earth element, but they'll stop there, right there, knowing earth as earth, internally or externally. No difference, just knowable. It's possible to know it. Yeah? So that's the experience of the, 
the earth element. So you see that when we uh, get into this practice of the four elements, we're leaving somewhat of the trance of me, my, I that we've been talking about a number of times. And we're, it, it's a helpful way to break this idea of me and just feel like, oh, earth, this is earth. It feels like this, very simple. Some, some, someone says, uh, public property. You know, why would hardness be yours? You know, hardness is hardness. You know, now it's fine here. Later, it's going to be found there. So that's uh, the earth element. Yeah. The um, let's go to the fire element because it's often very accessible in our experience uh, on the cushion and in life. Just to uh, stop and feel the presence in the body of areas of heat or cold, or the movement of it, sometimes you feel uh, that it moves in some way. So just bring attention to this. This is also known as um, some of the objects that one can use to uh, develop uh, absorption, high levels of concentration. So the elements that serves that purpose also to calm the mind. There's something so primary and immediate in it that I feel is... uh, can be really helpful to um, work with um, any obsession in the mind and just to come back to something uh, very, very primary of heat and cold. Yeah. Just one little story. I, I'm going to go back to the earth element for a moment. Um, I was sitting uh, long sits at some point on a long retreat and it was getting like the hardness was getting harder and harder and incredibly hard, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I talked about this with uh, my the teacher I was working with at the time, Park Sayada, and I I was describing to him the intense hardness, and uh, he said, "Oh, but you know, it's a kind of softness." You know, because there's a whole range of hard- hardness. It could be a lot more hard. Imagine like a, a huge boulder, you know, descending from the sky and crashing. Like the hardness would be extremely hard at the moment of contact, you know, because of the, the weight and pressure, and you know. And, uh, and, and um, I was like, oh, interesting. And I, <laughs> I went back to my room. And I think at that point, because of practice, there's this thing that happens that the mind can become more pliable and malleable so that you can bring ideas in or invite qualities of the mind and heart. And sometimes the mind, conditions being right, the mind will respond to, respond to that. And I remember sitting, and at some point the, this thought came like, oh, this is getting really hard. This is a kind of softness. <laughs> And suddenly there was really like a switch in my perception. Suddenly there was, it, I could not see it as hardness anymore. I could only see it as a kind of intense softness. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really interesting because it really did have an impact on the practice. After the, pers- the, the sensation, I believe, was the same, but it was received in a different way. And so, and since then, my relationship to hardness has definitely uh, changed a bit because of this. So that, anyway, that's just one of the mysteries of, of uh, practice or delusion. <laughs> Blame <laughs> whichever one you want. But um, so, uh, but it, it is a powerful practice. I, I heard the talk from uh, uh, Tanisara, uh, uh, Gloria Ambrosia, where she describes going to the dentist, and that's very beautiful because she said, so I get to the dentist, and it's really me at the dentist, me, the dentist against me <laughs> kind of thing, and, the, and his machines against me, you know, and, and he starts drilling, you know, and she said, oh, why not do my practice, you know, <laughs> of being a practitioner, why not bring, uh, you know, my practice here? And started to um, become aware of the element tall nature of this experience. So the hardness, oh, hardness, hardness. And she said she could see, disappear the notion of me 
and the, the dentist and all this, and suddenly it was at a level of just elements, just the pure elemental nature of what was happening, even so much so that the feeling tone was not so much accessible even because it was a level underneath that, a level, a direct contact of the uh, elements uh, uh, together. And uh, how freeing it can be for the mind to drop the story of I. And it's not like, come on, drop the story of I. It's by putting attention, right consideration, you would say, right uh, mindfulness, wise mindfulness, at the right place, at the right time. You know? And in this way, uh, releasing a lot of the, the stress. It didn't change, the drilling still happened, you know, but the relationship to what was happening uh, seemed more wholesome and freeing. So just another little story of uh, the four elements there. Um, and uh, as we're talking about the, the fire, it says again in the text, you know, internally, externally, no difference. And uh, in one text it says, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it says like, uh, when one sees that the fire element outside, even when it gets amazingly powerful, uh, forest fire, destroying everything, out of control, you know, like imbalanced, totally imbalanced, fire, very powerful. Even this kind of fire that is, um, that is, uh, can destroy anything that comes in its way, will end one day, will come to the end of itself by reaching the ocean, by reaching a body of water. It will end. Such is the, the same thing is with the wind. The, even if there is great winds and a great imbalance in winds and it destroys everything, at some point there will be so little wind that you will want to grab a fan to find some movement in the air and you, would hard, you will hardly be ever uh, able to find it. You know, so it says in the text, when you see that the elements like this in their power end up disappearing anyway, and same thing for water, you know, when you see this, uh, you, you might come to understand that it's the same thing here, that the fire element will finish here. The earth element will come to an end here too, you know. And so uh, maybe more of a reflection uh, around this. And we know that, for example, in the process of dying, there will be this slow, uh, if I use this system or this way of thinking, there will be the slow removal of the elements. The water will leave slowly, uh, the skin will dry, the earth element, we say, will leave slowly, and the body will shrink, and then the, the air element will leave the body, there will be no more breathing. And then lastly, the heat element will also uh, disappear. Yeah. So working with the body is not um, so much my image of the body or what I think of the body, but really entering the experience uh, of the body and finding out and through the images that I just use of fire, water, uh, maybe I should go through water, is, um, is the, move, uh, the fluidity or the cohesion. Yeah? So we say uh, cohesion because um, you imagine um, flower, flower, and you, put, you can blow on it, it's going to go in all directions, but if you put a little water in it, it's going to stick. Or cement will need water at some point to... Uh, to um, to get together, and so, and there's a range in there of cohesion and uh, fluidity, yeah. As in the fire, there's a range, and uh, in the air, the element of air is uh, is uh, pushing and uh, supporting, like supporting, like when you put air in a balloon, you know, it supports. So that's one of the application of pushing the movement, the vibration. Uh, so that's one way to experience the air element. And so, for me also, it's one way to get um, very intimate with nature. Finding out through inexperience that, oh, this is nature. It's not just the environment. Oh, I love nature. Nature, made by nature, supported by nature. 
and uh, taken by nature also in the end. And so if we say, um, I love nature, then somehow it feels like there's a work to do here. Do you really love nature? Maybe a little uh, last thing on um, on the elements. It says that there's uh, four kinds of nutrients that bring the elements. There's food the n- the, that we take. Uh, there's the fire of digestion that will transform, uh, make the element uh, come alive. There's two that I find very interesting also. There's the element of um, the nutriment nutri- of um, of uh, consciousness and the nutriment of uh, karma. And so a, a very immediate understanding of this is that if you feel hardness on your butt at this point, it's because you had the intention to sit. You know? So that came, <laughs> that's one, one thing. You know? If you feel the heat of remorse, it might be because of uh, karma or the coloring of consciousness. In one text, uh, the Buddha, right after his uh, enlightenment, is walking to um, go and teach, and he meets this person who says, Wow, you're glowing, man. What's, what's going on? Your skin is amazing. We talked about this here, the practice of metta. One of the advantages a beautiful complexion. <laughs> one of the benefits. So when this uh, being meets the, the Buddha, he says, what, you're glowing, your skin is radiant. That's one way we could understand that the, the, the mind has an effect on the elements, on the physicality, the materiality. And many of you have re- reported this as you said. There was brightness in the mind, a kind of physical brightness, it seems. I thought that the sun was out, you know, suddenly. Or lightness the joy, lightness, oh, I was just about to levitate, you know. There's so much uh, ease or calm in the mind or the right, like, you know, we talked about pity, for example, yeah. And so the heat of anger, the, how there's this dance between the, the mind and the, and the body, how the elements come to be. It's very interesting to watch how... Uh, how um, this works. And we say that in deep states of concentration, I've read many times that there can be actual healing happening. I, I wouldn't want to kind of try to sell some kind of potion. That, <laughs> that, uh, but it says that, and to me it's not surprising because when there's a deep calm and these, all these beautiful qualities that um, Sally talked about, one can feel it in the body sometimes how all the cells are bursting with joy. You know, it's at an elemental level, as at a, at a very uh, fine uh, molecular or whatever it is level that there's a, a new kind of vibration there. So that's part of the work that we do with the uh, the elements. It's good to be uh, aware of that, maybe. Um, maybe I'll just uh, say also that. Um, The body is a good, um, find a good doorway or ground, a good um, first step for equanimity. And you'll, you know, uh, some of you, as you go back home, that's one way that we do bring equanimity. It's like you hear something you don't want to hear, you start to get excited, and you breathe. Attention to the body. And that helps calm the mind, calm the body, calms come the mental formations and redirect attention, bring stability. Yeah? Another thing uh, maybe to mention last around the body is um, uh, what uh, I like, uh, Philip uh, Muffitz, he says, the body, a mass to dissolve through attention. You know, and this amazing work of cutting the conceptual ideas that we have of my body, solid thing, too small, too big, too like this, too, uh, you know, and suddenly finding this life in there, this river of life. Uh, and that brings um, 
the image that uh, the body being one of the, the form, form being one of the five aggregates, which is something I'd like to touch on a little bit now. Um, but the image that is used for form, for the materiality, is a foam uh, in a river. There's a series of I images, and I'd like to talk about this series of images now, using the body to move on to the, the other aggregates, because to me they've been extremely useful. So the image that is used in the text is uh, uh, by the Buddha is, uh, says the body is like uh, foam on the river. And this amazing insight of the non-solidity yeah? And all this that we're talking about, and that's what I find beautiful in this practice, is that my sense, and I have to verify this if it goes to the end of uh, this thought, but uh, it seems like the whole of the practice is from the point of view of experience. It's not like seeing how the world is necessarily, but it's talking from the point of view of experience where the point of view where suffering is experienced and freedom is experienced. You know? So in this, Im in this image of the foam, the experience of the foam-like nature of the body uh, changing all the time. And why do I want to talk about these five images and the five aggregates? Because, again, this is very um, humbly and um, simply wanting to share a little bit about my practice, in a way. This, this, I'm talking to you about my practice, really. Um, and so the five aggregates are very, very central. They've been for many years in my understanding of, of, uh, of this practice and the unfolding of it. And these images are very powerful for me. Um, and I'm intrigued how such conceptual, their images, how powerful they, they are for me, like, a, like uh, such a beautiful um, little um, quick reminder. It's just an image in the mind that can be brought in and can arise interest in direct experience again in a different, in a different way. So all these images that are, that are there talk about, you know, ef ef ephemerality, <laughs> being ephemeral. So the foam is one for the feeling tone. So Again, maybe if you're not familiar, although I know Guy talked about the, these five aggregates, just to review very simply that the five aggregate is a way to divide experience as it's happening, the human experience divided in five. It could be divided in two, mind, matter. But in this version, it's divided in five because apparently it's a way that can be extremely powerful to cut down any wrong understanding about human experience. So the way I understand that is I think about this not as five aggregates, but the five rivers of being. There's the, so there's the river of form that is there. And the second river is the river of feeling tone, of the, this pleasant, unpleasant, and neutrality. And the image that is used is the image of a bubble. I think I named that here before. Champagne, maybe you remember. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll, I'll just... A little parenthesis here on the Vedana, because we talked a lot about it, but there's uh, one division that I particularly like, and maybe you know, and maybe it would be good to, uh, to bring this. Maybe you'll be interested in that. It's the, um, I think I could call it the twofold or sixfold division of, we know the threefold division. We all know this threefold, do we? Know the threefold division? It's, Okay, so you could decide to um, to divide divide it just in two or in six. That and it touches on the same uh, same aspects here. In two, it would be the feeling tone that is worldly, and the feeling tone that is unworldly, or the feeling tone, as I think of it, that is entangling, and the feeling tone that is uh, liberating. Yeah. So if I mix these two with those three, two times three ex, uh, means uh, it, done, it uh, equals uh, six. So the six-fold division is not that hard. <laughs> I hope this is not insulting. <laughs> I did say this, but sometimes when we get in these things, like oh my. So 
It's just a way to, so there's a pleasant that is um, worldly and there's pleasant feeling tone that is unworldly or pleasant tone that is entangling and pleasant tone that is uh, liberating. There's the unpleasantness that is entangling and good news. There's the unpleasantness that is liberating. And in the neutrality, there's a neutrality and feeling tone experience that can be entangling or liberating also. And that can be interesting to bring this other aspect in practice. It's part of the Satipatthana Sutta. So it says, know the feeling tone as it arises and, and passes, but know also if it's uh, a worldly or unworldly. And a quick way to divide this might be for you to investigate that the liberating feeling tone is one that could be a match with presence, full awareness, so that it can become liberating. It can uh, speak in uh, insight, you know, speak insight, you know, instead of uh, speaking contraction. You know. So um, I'll give you just a few examples that might help. Let's go towards the unpleasant. Unpleasant, uh, some unpleasant experiences that uh, we have are entangling. If there is uh, the presence of uh, resentment, and this is uh, resentment, usually is not fun, not pleasant to feel. And if it's left to its own device, it's very entangling. Yeah? Bring awareness in there. When I bring awareness, I find myself having maybe the leftovers of the, you know, in the moment of pure mindfulness, like, oh, God, like all this hating going on, it hurts. It's not pleasant, but eventually liberating. You know? So often we uh, um, judge our practice in terms of uh, it was good practice because it's pleasant or it's not good practice because it's unpleasant. There's a lot of the unpleasant, and you'll recognize that, no? There was plenty in the last month, I'm sure, of moments of unpleasantness that are in a way noble, worthy of being lived, unpleasant, but liberating. And you've experienced uh, its liberating qualities, uh, seeing the release, seeing the acceptation, the compassion, whatever arise there that is wholesome. Yeah? But there are other, um, maybe just two that I'll mention, these two qualities of hiri and otapa, in, uh, in Pali, and so that's um, often translated by shame and dread or fear of wrongdoing. I name them just because they're, they're un, usually unpleasant to feel, but very beautiful qualities of mind. And so um, this is when uh, suddenly I have an idea of doing something, taking something that is not offered maybe. And in me, arises this feeling of shame as uh, the thought of having done it or the fear of doing it and the consequences that could follow. So this is clearly unpleasant. Yet it says that this is the guardians of the world. They, gu they guard uh, us from falling into uh, you know, uh, unethical behaviors. So this is just an example of a... And so sometimes it's good to know this because when I feel the unpleasantness, I can recognize, oh, actually, this is, this is good that I feel this. this there's no, nothing wrong here. It's, it's good. It's uh, leading onward. It's freeing and unpleasant. So to me, it helps really cut the idea that it should be pleasant, otherwise something is wrong might be unpleasant and something might be very right, you know. Um, and so the pleasantness and spiritual or liberating, the whole talk that Sally gave or James yesterday about contentment and all these beautiful qualities, not to be afraid of them, to uh, let them be known, experience the texture, flavor, uh, savor uh, them, they're wholesome and they're pleasant also. Uh, to, to let them be known. And neutrality, I'll just say, uh, um, the neutrality that comes from an equanimous mind, not from the fact that something is bland in the environment, but the, the, the stability of the mind. Uh, this is one beautiful 
liberating uh, mm, uh, feeling tone of Vedana. So just a few words on this. But, anyway, bubbles. Yeah? And uh, I'll continue a little bit with these images <clears throat> to come to these two, for me, very central here. It's the, for the perception, this recognition that is happening all the time. As we're sitting here, you know, there's the vibration in the ears and there's the, the feeling tone of pleasantness that can be in the body or in the hearing or attached to your thoughts and stuff. But there's also the recognition, you know, that of what's happening. There's a talk being given. Whatever level of recognition is going on for you, this is constantly flowing. The image that is used of, is of a mir- mirage. Yeah? And, uh, and that talks for me very, very strongly of uh, how, how our perceptions needs through attention to be refined, to be closer to reality and how the things appear like this. So, okay, so that's perception. Then the other uh, aggregate is the, um, so feeling tone has to do with how I, the object, how it's received in experience. The perception has to do with the object, its characteristic, how I recognize it. Yeah? And then the f- mental formation is, um, is how the mind, body, heart gets engaged with the, uh, the object. So the intentions, the emotions that might come out of a contact, uh, the thoughts, the, yeah, so the mind state, all this. The image that is used here is the banana tree trunk. And it says that the banana tree is hollow in the center. And it looks like a strong tree, but actually as soon as it bears its fruit, it falls flat on the ground. Yeah. So um, this image for me is very central in my practice. Because as, um, as I sit here, or at home, anywhere where I find myself, I always see the banana production going on. <laughs> and it's amazing. I mean, I'll sit here and one thought will cross the mind or something seen will cross the mind and there'll be the beautiful, and when I say beautiful, it's just because it's so, it's more like the word would be more complex, I guess. Formation that comes. Huge banana tree, huge leaves. And I don't know if you, like me, particularly enjoy the green of a, of a banana tree uh, leaf, especially if the sun is behind, the leaf is be, between you and the sun. There's this green, anyway, very, uh, very beautiful, very big, con- and the bananas, like, huge. so I'm sitting here, I have one thought, you bring another thought, and, bring, and then there's this whole construction, this whole tree formation that, you know, like, and I'm like, I've always been like this and that's too bad because, and I probably will be like this and this is what's going to happen and, and yeah, and, and, you know, joy or dejection or, you know, happens in this huge formation and suddenly, especially if I'm uh, practicing, uh, you know, on retreat, suddenly the tree will be on the, on the, you know, fallen and I'll be sitting here, back here, you know, ah, that was hollow, that was empty but it seemed so, uh, yeah? So, I'm being very honest here. Very (laughs) honest. I spend a lot of time just watching these formations form and fall flat on the ground, you know, and fall flat on the ground, yeah? And and even to me, the, um, it's not clear the line between perception and and formation is, because, you know, you could think that uh, per- uh, perception is just recognizing color, humans, but often I've, I'll be walking down to go to the, the uh, to go eat, and there's this impression, to me, the perception or impression of me walking down. You know, it's kind of a block, an image of this is me walking down, this is me late, this is me too early, and. Is this a perception or a mental formation? It's not clear to me, but it's not important. It's in the realm of mirage, banana tree, uh, foam, uh, magic show, which is the consciousness. 
consciousness, the image that is used to make sure that I finished the, all the images, is the magic show. It brings all these parts together and makes it appear like I am conscious. You know, this amazing magic show of consciousness that tag, tags along with the feeling tone, with the, the sensation, the form, with the perception, with the ideas, and, and create this amazing thing that is very convincing. Yeah? That through practice, I want to see through. I want to realize that this is not reality, this is mirage. This is not solid, this is hollow. This is not, a, uh, this is not true. The, the person has not been sawed, you know, like by the magician. It's a trick. It looks like this, you know. So, all these impressions always coming in the mind, that's, that's a lot of what we're made of. The impression of being like this, the impression of that, the impression... All these impressions, uh, appearances, yeah? In one of the um, translations of the Bahia Sutta that uh, Guy mentioned also, you know, it says, I have to be precise here, in the scene, let there be only the scene, in the herd, only the herd, now I read a lot this version of in the cognize let there be only the cognize guy <laughs> the cognized yeah it's in here somewhere yeah but I used to read in the perceived let there be only the perceived and I like that version very very much because for me it's so so central so the body, very central in practice, but perception, the fact that things always appear, give this impression of being such, you know? And to me, the spiritual job, again, very, being very honest here, is, um, is I almost want to say in one sentence, certainly these last years is, my job is to put perception back in its, own, in its place. So that perception is perception. That perception is not reality. That perception is only that perception. It's doing its very well, its fine job of perceiving. But that's just what's happening. Extremely liberating from my point of view. Oh, appears like this, appears like this impression, perception, just that, this is just what's happening. Can I live it exactly as it is, as a perception? That's probably one of the area of most freedom for me, is this recognition of perception as such. So I'm going out on a limb here. I'm just like completely offering you my stuff, thinking that it might be of use to you. Many years ago, at, one, uh, at the end of a talk, um, Joseph read this uh, little list of uh, seven little sayings, and I've given a few Dharma talks on this. Uh, he just dropped these little seven sayings. He said, the Dalai Lama practiced this. This is part of the Lojong uh, Tibetan training, uh, uh, train, uh, mind training. And uh, I really got hooked by the list and... Uh, wrote wrote it down, made a little card that I had in my wallet and on my nightstand and read it for a couple of years, several times a day. And I think what I'm talking to you about today is partly uh, caused by this. So I'll read you the list and that could be good. It might be something for you as you go back home or stay here for the next month. Consider all phenomena to be dreams. I don't know if you see the realm we're in here of foam, mirage, magic show, consider all phenomena to be dreams. If you think of this quote from the Buddha, uh, you know, this life, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom, a star at dawn, uh, a dream. Yeah. So consider, this is an instruction for me, very clear instruction, consider all phenomena as a dream. This is something I really took on. 
all phenomena as a dream. The second one is explore the nature of unborn awareness. So we talked a lot about pure awareness or uh, unentangled knowing. Explore the nature of unborn awareness, an awareness where I is not born. Or if there is an I born, it's recognized as perception. It appears like this is happening to I, AI, you know? And the other one, be grateful to everyone. Don't be swayed by outer circumstances. Don't brood over the faults of others. At all times, rely on a joyful mind. Don't expect a standing ovation. So I won't say more maybe on this. Um, let's see if I have some quotes to back me up in some way. Ah, classic. You'll recognize this one. It's in the Gratitude Hut, Ajahn Moon. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to des- desert the body. Desert the body. Examine its nature, see the elements that comprise it, see the impermanence, the suffering, the selflessness of the body while sitting, standing, walking or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth timeless and delivered. Never allow the mind to desert the body. That's from a great master here. So many papers. So how is it to be here in this um, in this Im- embodiment right now with um, possibly its uh, hardness heaviness softness smoothness heat cold tightness and the flow of uh, impressions appearances. Clear impression of being here, of me being here maybe. Or the impression of uh, time or timelessness. and the dance between the impression and the body, the encounter, ease being created in the body because of the impressions or, or discomfort maybe. And this, uh, these impressions are there um, before entering the interview room, coming out of the interview room, opening uh, the uh, the door of the car, you know, sitting in the traffic, uh, walking out of a patient room, walking in uh, the bus's office, 
you know, all these impressions, they last a moment and then they're replaced by a new one or the same one again and again. <clears throat> the dreamlike uh, quality of this, ex- this human experience. Let's uh, just sit for a moment in silence. <clears throat> 